This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with Vanity Fair's digital director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. Vanity Fair senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. And Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. So this week we are back from our holidays and award season is back in full swing. The Golden Globes are this Sunday. We'll all be watching to see who wears what and who gets drunk and makes weird faces at the camera. But there's a lot going on in New York as well. The New York Film Critics Circle Awards were last night as we record this. The National Board of Review Awards will be tonight. There's lots of people in town, lots of handshaking going on. So Richard and I will kind of catch up on what happened at the New York Film Critics Circle Awards before we get into our preview of the Golden Globes. But first, the weekend Oscar news I think is all about box office because all the movies are open. We spend months talking about movies and how audiences will react to them, and now they're actually doing it. And even though for a while it looked like this was going to be a really quiet year for movies that people actually saw at the Oscars, a lot of movies are doing really, really well. You've got most of them still in somewhat limited release, but uh, Fences, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea are all really finding their audiences, which I think is a really good sign. Yeah, I'm personally surprised that Manchester by the Sea is doing as well as it is just because even though it's a really, really great movie and possibly my favorite movie of this year, you know, the whole advanced word is just just crushingly sad. It is a bummer. It's it's devastating. (laughs) And that's just, you know, people don't necessarily sign up for that, especially in the theater. It's kind of like, I might just sit at home and weep if I'm in the mood. (laughs) And it is an Amazon Studios release. So you kind of figure eventually it will be on your Amazon Prime for you to cry in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. But no, it made four million last week. It's up to twenty five million, basically twenty eight million. Yeah, um, on like twelve hundred screens, I guess is the most that it's been on, which is not really even a full release yet. Yeah, and then Fence is doing even better than that. Ten million last week, basically thirty million in all. And La La Land, nine point five million last week, and thirty four million. Yeah, and La La Land is on the fewest screens of all of them. It's just at seven fifty, so it hasn't even done its big breakout yet. So that was our big question, right? Mm-hmm. About La La Land is like, are people going to actually go watch this movie because it has that sort of crowd pleaser feel? It has to actually please crowds in order yeah. to, you know, follow through. This is when I like to feel like I fulfill my duty of reporting back from like the real America. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> the Bay Area being such a good example of the yes, real America. Yes, of course. 
I've got my finger on the pulse, but um, I went to go see La La Land over the holidays with my sister in San Francisco in a sold out crowd on a Thursday night or something like that. And uh, it got a standing ovation. In the theater, like in like a regular multiplex? I mean, it's the Sundance Kabuki, so it's like a little whatever, but yeah. Wow. We were surrounded by very enthusiastic gay men. So (laughs) the gay men of San Francisco (laughs) really loved this movie. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, maybe, but I felt like a lot of the critical backlash that I was seeing this from, from people who really, really love musicals and were highly critical of this as an example of the genre. You know, this is the same audience that we go see like single looks out of music with and all that sort of stuff in the cast or in San Francisco. And they were just eating La La Land up with a spoon. So in that screening, standing ovation, I've never seen it in the theater. So. That is that is really something. I mean, yeah. you hear about standing ovation. We think we've talked about this when you have the director and the stars in the room. Of course, you're going to give it a standing ovation. Right. Uh, unprompted, that is new. And the thing, I mean, when everyone's at home for the holidays with their families trying to figure out something to see i think this was a, a weird year for kind of the christmas blockbuster it was basically rogue one and passengers and not much else so i think if you had the ability to see la la land like that's the movie you can go take your mom and your sister and everybody else to go see yes well yeah. we should say that passengers actually did pretty well it did like, uh you know this is not it's not quite an awards contention but uh it, it regained a lot of ground over the holidays so well, my cousin really wanted to see Sing, and I didn't make it, so that was my family's movie of choice. Yeah, oh, I finally saw Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Dispatches from the Real America, uh, <laughs> except it was downtown Manhattan. <laughs> I loved it. We can talk about that on, on another episode or, or not. Um, but, you know, another thing looking at the box office that I noticed that I think is interesting is some other movies that have huge hauls. Arrival is at 92 million. It's almost at 100 million. Yeah. It, it will be at 100 million by the time probably mm-hmm. the, uh, the Oscars get announced. And passengers. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think passengers. <laughs> well, are if you make it. if you actually look at the per theater averages, which are a, a little wonky, but tell you a lot about how popular something is, not just how widely it's playing. Um, Hidden Figures, which is opening wide this weekend or next weekend or sometime soon, it made thirty four thousand dollars on per screen, which is like three yeah, times as much as like Rogue One made per screen. Like it's yeah. doing really well so i think when that opens wide it's going to be huge that's another rare crowd pleaser i think we were joking on twitter that it was almost the only screener you could show your family this year it's It's literally the only screener my family watched yeah yeah (laughs) it worked Um, for everyone same anyway i think it's gonna be big yeah yeah Yeah, i I was listening Um, to you on in the limelight recommending it as a holiday movie for fans yeah i think that that movie is a major oscar contender that we have kind of considered already but like i think we really need to really consider it yeah because i think it's going to get a best picture nomination it's going to be a box office hit Mm -hmm. there's the octavia spencer thing kind of propelling it there's the really it's a great story that actually means something you know yeah and i was actually catching up um what i did over the holidays catching up on that show timeless the time travel show that that i'm still watching (laughs) and they did a katherine johnson episode like, oh really? I don't. I don't think that they knew that Hidden Figures was coming out when they wrote it. So I don't know. There's just this kind of moments forming around her. Let me ask a question about Hidden Figures. Yeah. Why is all the awards talk circling around Octavia Spencer? She's very good, but her character is almost the yeah. most underplayed it, because people are familiar with her. I think. She's already just won because she's Oscar. been doing she's it before. Like in the club already. I think Taraji yeah. Henson is so good, and really so is Janelle Monae. And Janelle Monae yeah. is amazing. Yeah. They're Janelle both kind Monet of actually in two more. Movies. She's they, in Moonlight too. Yeah. They have more sort of business. I feel and Kevin like. Costner's great in it. Yeah. Kevin Costner, <laughs> you know, he's really good in it too. It would be in the kind of dystopian and probable environment here. Kevin Costner's 
the guy who gets the nomination. Well, yeah. yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's great in it. He's when, really when they, very, they, very good. When they present Trump with a sheet of potential Oscar nominees <laughs> yeah, that yeah, he yeah. can pick, he'll be like, a Costner. Costner <laughs> and I spent a lot of time in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I love the postman. <laughs> Uh, I think it, it's worth noting, according to this article in The Hollywood Reporter, Hidden Figures was going to open wide January 13th, but it will open wide this week, which happens to be when Oscar nominations voting ends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're on to this. I don't think this. any they of this it. is an accident. No. They get it. Yeah. Okay. One more movie. Sorry. That has a big box office hall. Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, yeah. yeah. 64 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you spent Christmas in real America, which I guess none of us really did. Like, I think that's. <laughs> I did. Yeah. There you go. Was, was everyone seeing Hacksaw you Ridge? I was in the Bahamas. Well, <laughs> first I was in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent Christmas in fake America, which is Boston, Massachusetts, with my liberal parents. And a movie that I showed to them that I hadn't seen yet was The Founder, and they loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if enough kind of older Academy voters saw that movie, I don't think mm. it's going to happen at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually pretty good. Michael yeah. Keaton's yeah. out on the circuit. There's all these quotes from him bad-mouthing yeah. Batman forever, which yeah, that's how you know Michael Keaton's out there for an Oscar is when Batman <laughs> quotes start coming back around. But if we have a year where... There are multiple, you know, over 50 million, a few over 100 million or one or two over 100 million. And then a whole lot of even the kind of small weird movies are making 10, 15, 20 million. Like it suits a record box office year, but that actually becomes an Oscar broadcast people will watch. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. kind of middle range movies that make like 30, 40 million dollars are like the ones that we're always saying Hollywood doesn't make anymore. But the more yeah. often that they get made and have a kind of box office hall, which is really good for what they cost, you know, that kind of is a self-propelling train. Like even Moonlight, it's only made 12 million dollars, but it's only on 137 screens. It's still really, right. it's going to be playing through March at this rate, especially if it gets the Oscar nominations we think it will. Yeah. I want to go back to Hacksaw Ridge really quickly, which is just to say that um, this is a different conversation, but I saw Silence last night and I am just fully on board that. Andrew Garfield train like I don't know if he's gonna get anything you know there's a lot of contenders we have in front of him but between that and Hacksaw Ridge I'm just really really impressed with what he's done this year yeah I mean he's 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 had a really good year playing an accented religious person who's persecuted by the Japanese (laughs) yes yes he nailed it twice. So, yeah, yeah, he's got that down. Yeah. Well, I was just going to jump on a best actor and say that I feel like Casey Affleck is vulnerable, but that kind of leads into what our next topic is going to be, which is the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, where Richard and I both were. I don't think we both sound hoarse because we were screaming at the New York Film Critics Circle Ooh. Awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Casey Affleck kind of had, I think, maybe the most uh, interesting moment of the night where he accepted his yeah. award for Manchester by the Sea and uh, read a bunch of reviews by David Edelstein, who was the host of the evening uh, that had uh, criticized him. He basically came on armed with a bunch of quotes that were negative about himself and uh, yeah. kind of put David Edelstein on the spot in a weird way. It was way. intense. Yeah. What was the tone of this? Because reading about it, I can't figure out, was he, is he, is it all just comedy, it, self-effacing comedy? Is he trolling? It is, was kind of both. It was playful, then it was kind of not, and then yeah. it was playful again, and it, it kind of kept shifting as he went, because it went on yeah. for a while. He, did. he had like and five quotes. Edelstein didn't drop it. Because yeah. Edelton was introducing each award, yeah. and he kind of kept bringing it up. Right. And I oh, think wow. the last thing he said that night was, oh, Ain't Them Body Saints is still a terrible movie or something? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> it was like, like, it was like the whole- What did the, David Lowry ever like, do to you? I know. Like, Casey Affleck started this narrative, and then there were a few more awards after his, mm-hmm. before the night ended, and it just, but that narrative kept going. Yeah. But yeah, despite, I kind of, he engaged, Casey Affleck engaged with the particular- group that had given them this award which yeah. i thought was nice and, well and he you know, you know he was like i read peter travers i read owen gleiberman and they were in the room and you he know, like quoted a, owen gleiberman a review from 20, from shakespeare in love yeah, a from, movie that ben affleck is in 
Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah, why he quoted yeah, it. That's true. But yeah, it was in Casey Affleck is on the circuit. He's doing the thing. Yeah. He's got a crazy beard, which is its own thing. But I don't know if he's like. He's doing the silent sequel. So he's got <laughs> the, the inevitable silent yeah, sequel. But the kind of self-effacing comedy thing, like he, he was kind of going for it, but it doesn't seem like his natural state of things. That's what he did on Saturday Night Live. And it was super weird because A, yeah, he had that dirtbag beard for every sketch of <laughs> it's Saturday Night Live. It's for a role, I think. Which was like crazy and then yeah and then he made fun of it and himself in the opening monologue like that's what you're supposed to do on Saturday Night Live and he was actually pretty good when they could figure out how to work a sketch around his beard it was actually pretty good but it was definitely (laughs) a challenge but that's part of the circuit is the SNL is the talk show and he was also good on Marin I listened to all of his Mark Marin appearance he was really good on it but I listened to it sort of hoping that they would touch on any of the things that we've talked about, Casey Affleck, on this show. And Marin started with a disclaimer saying, I wasn't going to ask him about it. So it's very interesting. Well, Marin said that it's a part of Casey Affleck's settlement that he can't talk about the case. So he's like, so I wasn't going to ask him about it. Like, they didn't say I couldn't ask about it, but they told me he couldn't say anything about it. So that's, I guess, how he's trying to sidestep it. I didn't um, think about that being one of the reasons that it keeps not coming up. It did, he didn't come up with the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, that's for sure. Came up a little on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, hasn't he ago. kind of talked about it and said when somebody makes up a bunch of stuff about you that isn't true, it's really hurtful to you and your family? Yeah. Like, he said that. He did say that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm torn on the, It's tough because I love the performance so much. Yeah. I've watched the film twice. I adore the film. Mm-hmm. He is so sort of lovable and broken in the film and i thought on snl he kind of had the same persona going yeah. i mean i love that sketch him. in the dunkin donuts yeah the dunkin absolutely donuts genius it was a documentary i mean yeah right but there's something very dark about this guy and even when you read the details of the sexual harassment complaints even that felt like it could have been, as we've discussed on the show, method acting and trolling gone horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. And I'm not defending it. I'm just saying like this. He doesn't seems to have a weird sense of humor mm-hmm. and a dark, yeah. a dark side big time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that there was something I don't know how this works. I think it's organized by the critic circle and the, and the PR team. But, you know, Amy Ryan introduced Casey Affleck last night mm-hmm. and, you know, they were in Gone Baby Gone together, and they weren't playing romantic interests. They were sort of actually kind of antagonists in a way yeah. in, that, in that film. But she had nothing but glowing things to say about him. Again, that's not to sort of say that other things didn't happen. It's just that, like, to what you were saying, Mike, maybe he's just kind of this different person depending on the experience. And right now he's kind of in a good mode, and he was in a terrible mode during... It almost year. feels like he's still sort of in this Manchester character. He's kind of like the self-effacing yeah. kind of, like, shuffling, you know, mm-hmm. making a joke but might, like, punch you in the face in hopes that you'll beat the crap out of him mode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe his whole life is kind of method. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. 
and why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so other things happened in the Year Film Critics yes. Circle Awards. I don't know, what, Richard, what were your big takeaways from the night? My big takeaway was I was going to the bathroom and I bumped into Andre Holland and who was running late to introduce oh Mahershal Ali. And he was like, did I miss it? And I was like, well, Mahershal Ali was on stage. And I was like, mm, well, <laughs> so that was kind of cool because like I had like met him before and he walked up to me as if I was a familiar and was just like, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, he remembers me. He clearly did not. Um, other, I also Did met- you melt from his gaze? Because I saw him uh, in the coat oh, check I'm, line I'm and I was just like. <laughs> I'm, I'm a ghost right now. Did he like blow metaphorical smoke in your face? Or, I mean, he, you know? he, he cooked me a, a meal, which was, I thought was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Um, and then he took you in for a, uh, a quiet surgery in, in the back <laughs> yeah. room. That's exactly right. <laughs> an old timey surgery. Yeah. So that we was just enough yeah. time to have my gallbladder removed, actually, <laughs> before Mahershala. That was a highlight. And I think the other, for me, honestly, was Michelle Williams, who is not. You know, she's done theater, but she's not like a public speaker. Like she doesn't like doing it. I think she and Rooney Mara are kind of similar in that vein. She gave such a lovely speech. Such a good speech. About New York and loving New York and wanting to move to New York when she was a kid. And that the critic circle of New York giving her this award meant something kind of extra special. You know, she was flattering me and, you know, 30 something other people. (laughs) Sure. But like, I just loved that. I thought that she was really classy and it made me kind of yearn for a longer Michelle Williams award season, even though I think Viola Davis is going to kind of edge yeah. her out for yeah. most other things. She uh, she had this great line that I, I wrote up the event and I forgot to write what, what she said, but it was something about like, I'm not like my other peers who think it's too cool to be excited about an award. Like, yeah. this really mm-hmm. does mean a lot to me. Yeah. You know, she's an actor, but I, it felt really sincere. Yeah. It's yeah. a lie, by the way. <laughs> They're trained liars. I know. Well, you know, the, the fascinating thing about being in the room at the New York event, you know, they were all in Palm Springs. They're going to be in LA for the Golden Globes. So there's like, they have like their New York bits planned out. And uh, yeah. Damien Chazelle, I thought, did a really good job because he grew up in Princeton and he was like, I grew up in New Jersey, which is basically a way of saying I grew up wanting to live in New York. And I was like, yeah, good line guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damien Chazelle gave a, gave a, a, a long speech mm-hmm. that um, was sort of rich in film theory and film yeah, history. He described and... in detail the plot of a 1927 musical, yeah. which is. Yeah. Yeah. Like play into the so that would crowd. never fly at the Oscars or wherever. Yeah. But like, you know, someone I forget who because it was. There's no time limit, right? You no, can, no, no, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And there's, no, there's no band playing you off. And they're introduced right. by people, you know, like Baz Luhrmann introduced Damien Chazelle, Amy Ryan introduced Casey Affleck. So and those people long, talk for a while. Yeah, and the, and I mean, well, the the best one was Robert Klein, I think is the comedian's yeah. name, who introduced mm-hmm. Utopia. He's like this old kind he was of kind of like why why not have him do it? Yeah, yeah. like this old yeah. New York comedian who went on like just you're like killing bits. me that you're like is that his name? Sorry, he did like ten minutes. I'm so old. I am a hundred years old. I was sitting next to our friend Jordan Hoffman, who trust me was like. That's Robert Klein. Come on, Katie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so people just talk for a long time. But it, well, that's what's great about a non-televised event. You know, you know yeah. we were in the room. It, it sounds like bragging. But it is really well, nice to yeah. see them being kind of relaxed. Someone did say, uh, I forget who, I like this awards night because, you know, no one's really practiced their Oscar speech yet. And I was like, well, yes. I mean, yes, they, <laughs> they are. In and the they practice are. And that was, uh, part of that was Mark Ruffalo who said that's that. That's Mark Ruffalo. Thank you. Who was you, there exactly. last year for Spotlight. He's used to this. That's right. Yeah. That was Mark Ruffalo. Who's... Spoke for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he introduced it. Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah. Who, uh, did he give you like a URL to donate or anything like uh, that? The, Jonathan Demi did. So Jonathan Demi spoke later to introduce Barry yeah. Jenkins and spent a long time talking about Mark Ruffalo's efforts against fracking. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling that's, you, that's it is. No, I mean, I, I know that that's 
that's what Mark Ruffalo did. I'm just like, why did Jonathan Demme talk Jonathan about Demme that? was also wearing a hoodie. Which Jonathan was... Demme was kind of a quirky dude. <laughs> he was way, great. I didn't expect. <laughs> what about the Trump jokes? Any Trump jokes? Or oh, did everyone just leave? There was actually more just allusion to sort of a, a like kind doom. of coming <laughs> apocalypse. It was, yeah, it yeah. was not really like a... The any... dark side of the force. Someone yeah. said something yeah. about like... It's I'm like gonna... Rogue One is a documentary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of like 2016 was a hard year. These are the films where like, mm-hmm. you know, it movies are doing great even if nothing else is. It was more that kind of... Uh-huh. I'm, I'm very curious about how it's going to play out at the Golden Globes and a televised thing. Because yeah. like, there's more of a chance to like, make a political statement on television when you're in a room full of New York critics. Who are you talking there's to? There's a room to make a joke, but I think also people feel this compulsion to sort of excuse the celebration. They're like, I know that this is going on, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, that was kind of the tone I got at the film critics circle please don't make let's cancel all this like we had to do after 9 11 we promise to behave that's kind of the tone you know and so i think the golden globes is certainly going to set that you know for the the season i'd be curious to see how that some kook is gonna most people in hollywood do not want half the country to hate them and stop seeing their movies but somebody's gonna go out there and oh for sure Oh, yeah. Put on the crazy hat. In uh, the Palm Springs Awards that happened, Ryan Gosling gave his lovely tribute to Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Were there some Carrie Debbie tributes happening? Boz Lerman referenced Debbie Reynolds because he was talking about musicals and introducing La La Land. I think that was it, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that because it's not televised, this and it's a small thing, Like yeah. people didn't feel the need to kind of like telegraph out things. It was much more yeah. interior, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was much more about the specific thing being highlighted i think the most telling moment was when barry jenkins received the best director statue and he was talking about his peers and he said and ken and damien who i spent a lot of time with and it's like oh yeah they're just going to these things every he day he also mentioned <laughs> isabel oh yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, they're so. they're just all like showing up at these things together you imagine that they get to know each other pretty well, well. we can start to dream about a barry jenkins directed <laughs> isabel Huppert film which like please yeah, I like that idea. yeah. well yeah. i saw uh, i saw him and andre Holland talking to mark ruffalo on the way out and right. you know like put those three together the wheels are turning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. yeah well, the Golden Globes are coming up. We've talked a little bit about what we're going to see. You know, political statements, maybe. I don't know. What else are we looking for? Alcoholism. For the, for the yeah. yeah. We'll see who's uh, who's acting wild in the back row. Christine Lottie but, in the bathroom. Well, <laughs> I, I, my, to me, the big thing is, as I was working on the predictions post on VF.com, is how much of a juggernaut is La La Land? That's my yeah, question. It seems question. like the Globes would be tailor-made for La La Land, and obviously the whole division between comedy. And there's a bunch of places where La La Land doesn't really have any legitimate competition. Yeah, But one place that I find interesting is Ryan uh, Gosling for actor. Mm-hmm. And because he seems to me to be the most vulnerable La La Land person. Yeah. He's in terms of actually state. getting an Oscar nomination? In terms of getting a, a winning. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll get nominated. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, but there are people who see La La Land. I quote somebody who said this to me the other day. <laughs> I don't agree with this, but somebody said to me, I don't understand how you make a musical with two stars that can't sing and can't dance. Right? I think they're fine, too. But that narrative is out there and some people see it and kind of feel like, eh. And he underplays it, you know? He yeah, underplays yeah, yeah. the role. The one place where it's really La La Land against Moonlight and Manchester and Hacksaw is in director. So if Damien Giselle doesn't win that, then the kind of narrative that I think we all have in our mind, that La La Land is tailor-made for award season and will sort of bulldoze, could really break down. And then I could imagine something where you sort of have, like, maybe La La Land wins Best Picture, Barry Jenkins wins Director, Ken Lonergan wins Screenwriter, mm-hmm. and they sort of, like, divvy it all up. 
That's a uh-huh. really plausible scenario. You and maybe, yeah. and maybe Natalie wins Best Actress and oh. go down the line wow. where it's just kind of like everything gets one award. I mean, the the huge caveat on Damien Chazelle, I think, is his age. Right. For, to he's win. 11. He's literally 11. He's literally yeah. 11 He's 30. What is he, 31? 32. 32. Or about to turn 32, I think. But he has, you know, Whiplash was a presence at the Oscars before, whereas Barry Jenkins is so fresh on the circuit, right? So yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he was around for Whiplash. Like, he definitely got to know these people. Sam Mendes was 34 when he won for American Beauty, so it's not unprecedented. But I think if you've got kind of an up-and-comer... He was 34. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the youngest winner was Norman Taurog, who was 32. This is what Google's cool. telling me. But yeah, I think even if he doesn't win Best Director... I mean, at the Golden Globes in particular, I don't know that we can automatically take that as a sign that La La Land is weaker, but I do think what you're saying is really plausible. I want to go back to what Mike said about many people are saying that Ryan Gosling can't sing or dance in La La Land. And I just want to say that I believe it's Mike Hogan's whisper campaign to try to get Colin Farrell to win for the lobster in that category. <laughs> this is where I pull my yeah, mask off. It's like, well, it's been great talking to you. <laughs> our, our, our reader, our listeners rather should listen back to old episodes and try to find where Mike has started these kind of sin- <laughs> sinister secret campaigns for things. Uh, the person yeah. who said this to me was an actual human who yeah. is no, not I mean, me. I have heard the same thing. But it yeah. wasn't But it wasn't a person in a words world. It was just right. like a regular just old like person. Movie goer. Well, yeah. wasn't the th- isn't the theory, I think one of you guys said this, that Ryan Reynolds is the contender for who might beat Ryan Gosling because Deadpool is such a hit? In Gold, in gold, in gold Derby, gold. Ryan Reynolds is at a 20% and Gosling is at like oh. 80%. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I mean, if anyone yeah. could could take him down according to those folks. It's I mean, Jonah Hill in War Dogs. It's <laughs> Jonah Hill in War Dogs. I literally had to look up what movie Jonah Hill was in this year I when I was there's writing some, that. There's entry. some weird nominations in there. Okay, but the, the last person that we haven't mentioned yet in that category is Hugh Grant for Spencer Jenkins, who I loved and thought was amazing. Yeah. And that does feel like a Golden Globes. I mean, I, Ryan Gosling's going to win, but I loved Hugh Grant. It Lord does feel like the Golden Globes win, It could win, totally though. happen. Yeah. That, yeah. that could 100% happen. Yeah. And that and Mel Gibson could win uh, director. Well, so I was writing, um, I wrote up Best Picture for the Golden Globes prediction drama. And, you know, I think the conventional thinking is that, oh, this is a race between Moonlight and Manchester by the Sea. But the Golden Globes are so weird that I don't think, you know, the conventional sort of thinking is best applied to these awards. I mean, there is an honest chance Hacksaw Ridge could just win. Well, weirdly. none of them have ever met an actual American human. So <laughs> right. they may not understand that all the stuff in the barracks is like takes place on Mars. <laughs> The, the movie really does get good in the second half when they're fighting, but the barracks stuff, I was just like, this is like well, it, it was, it was, Caddyshack meets Full Metal Jacket. It was filmed in Australia, and it has that weirdness. It's like, wait, this isn't quite America. <laughs> right. <You> know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, Even though it's very much supposed to be. You're like, wait, something's <laughs> off here. Like, yeah. Speaking of people who are awkwardly speaking for someone like Amy Ryan, maybe sort of doing some PR for Casey Affleck, Rebecca Keegan's write-up of the Palm Spring Awards, she has Andrew Garfield won a Spotlight Award there. And he says, I want to specifically thank Mel Gibson, a truly great storyteller and a beauty, beauty, beauty of a man. Pause. As far as I know him. I yeah, love that. That's pause. a great joke. It's so, is it a joke, yeah. though? Oh, yeah. I, I think he planned, he had to plan that. <laughs> I feel that. like this Andrew Garfield is, very... is so sincere. His entire persona is just like deep sincerity that he's yeah. like genuinely trying to thread that needle. I, I mean, he's trying to thread the needle, but I think he found <laughs> a very funny, clever way of doing it. Don't you? I mean, well, I think that, like, you know, you said, Mike, these are actors. They're 
you know, professional liars. Yeah. I mean, even at the New York Film Critics Circle, like Michelle Williams, when she was giving her very earnest, nice speech, she said, you know, I called my publicist earlier today. I was nervous. You know, it's like they all do that. They all like say, right. what should I say? Do you yeah. know? Do you know? Yeah. So I think that while a moment like that with Garfield seems so organic and fun and interesting and sort of bold in a way. Yeah, I'm sure that there was some thinking that went into that. It's a bit, but yeah. it reflects a genuine problem for Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it reflects the genuine concern, you know. But the good news is that he went up there and did that versus somebody like Kate Blanchett, who by the time she won the Oscar for, what's it called? Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine, Blue Jasmine like, literally just wouldn't mention Woody It was Allen's like he didn't name. even make the movie. Yeah. Right yeah. yeah. So do we think there's a chance that Andrew Garfield jumps up in the actor category? Given I think he is surging in a way that, yeah, we should mm-hmm. pay attention to that. You yeah. know, I think that he does have the problem of the kind of bifurcated like he's in two movies that are very similar in theme and and uh in certain themes anyway um but i yeah i don't know i think that he should not be counted out what if he wins best actor and emma stone wins best actress well does that bring them back together i know i know this is like this isn't in the line i have written i have two fanfic things ready to go i have have one for one inevitability (laughs) one for the other or it's just for one moment they relive their entire relationship Oh, and there's a dream and, then, ballet. and there's a dream <laughs> ballet. A dream ballet set at the Oscars. <laughs> at the Oscars. does sound incredible. <laughs> Michael Hanavicius just was like <laughs> up somewhere in LA. And Damien Chazelle bats him back down. It's like, that's my turn. Jean. So we're going to end by uh, going big before we go home. Since we've been talking about Andrew Garfield and Casey Affleck, we figure we'd take another look at Best Actor, which I think is a more interesting category than uh, we've been giving it credit for. So, Joanna, who's going to win Best Actor? Uh, I'll do a, a should win, will win. Should win, probably Casey Affleck. Will win, probably Casey Affleck. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we shouldn't count out Denzel, obviously. Yeah, we didn't talk about Denzel in this episode yet, but uh, he's still definitely in there. Richard, what about you? I would say should win Denzel, I think. He's, mm. His is the, the strongest male lead of the year. Will win. I think there's going to be a late break for Garfield, and I'm, I'm going to call it for him. It's not going to happen. But I, I don't I'm just know. Gonna... You've kind of convinced me. If the voters have seen silence, I think the power of those two performances combined could get him there. I think the voters also need to figure out who he is. Like, I think he's yeah. not, he's a household name to me because I've been in love with him since, <laughs> I don't know, the social network. But, but. Well, he's Spider Man, right? Like, yeah, but. Every, pretty big movie star. Yeah, but. Those Spider Man movies kind of didn't happen. I don't he's think mis- anyone. He's Mr. Emma Stone. I don't, I don't know. know. I think older was like who but aff like that's a name they know you know yeah so i think that that's probably one of the kid with the hair the kid with the hair right. andrew garfield's hair should win the war is he british is he american i don't know yeah. <laughs> what do you think mike I'm sticking with Casey Affleck. I think his is the best performance of the year, even though I think Denzel is amazing in Fences. But I don't know. I really don't know how this Casey Affleck sexual harassment stuff is going to play out. I just don't know that he has the – if it does blow up, I think it could really hurt him. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have any movement to do anything about it if somebody decides to make it an issue. Yeah, and he feel it feels like he's there because he had a great performance, but there's not the strong momentum behind him that usually – like Viola Davis where she just keeps winning and there's just like everyone wants to give her an award. Award. Yeah. So I think they'd probably rather give it to Andrew Garfield, who is a movie star, who is, you know, a big charitable guy who's got a big career headed up for him. School you don't bus really full know. Of kids school bus full of kids trailing <laughs> him everywhere he goes. Yeah. And maybe there's 
a it's a way to award Hacksaw Ridge without giving Mel Gibson actually anything. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take all these theories and then just maybe say Denzel Washington wins at the end of all this. That you can't decide between sure. Garfield and Affleck and they're both kids, kind of, even though Casey Affleck's like 45. Uh, and Denzel Washington, everyone loves him and Fences is making money. Well, and, and in a weird way, if you're lumping awards, giving one award to commemorate multiple achievements, like he's not going to win director. Yeah. But it kind of signals, hey, that's really hard to act in a movie that you also direct in and be good and make the movie good. So. Yeah. It's like when George Clooney won Best Supporting Actor for Seriana and said, well, I guess I'm not winning director because he was nominated right. for a good night and good senior. <laughs> and they all want to direct. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, trained. That. I hope you learned a few things today. They're trained liars who want to direct. <laughs> <laughs> and we want all of them to give us interviews and come uh, on this what, podcast. What, Please come on the what show. What the listeners can't see is that Mike is smoking a cigar <laughs> and like... Yeah, has He's his like feet up on the desk. Yeah. All except for Colin Farrell in the lab. Like, uh, Who is perfect. <laughs> That's his Who, as yeah. a fellow Irishman. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week's Little Goldman. Thank you so much for listening, and please rate and review us on iTunes. We really appreciate it. You can find us all at VanityFair.com. We'll be covering the Golden Globes and all the other many awards things in the coming weeks. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Little Gold Men and on our own. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard? Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. Joanna? Did I wrote this? And Mike? Mike underscore Hogan. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner, and thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for how we all felt as January 1st dawned goes to Mike Hogan. Ten minutes I'm so of old. I am 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs>Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.